If a mobile library's a rockin', don't come a knockin'. La 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 and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic from the UK. And me, Kim, a Eurovision fanatic from Canada. Uh, today is one of our main episodes where we're going to look at a Eurovision of times gone by. I, I, I had that sentence and I totally lost it towards the end there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you, you totally made it out. Of times gone by. <laughs> <laughs> of yesteryear. Yes, indeed. Uh, this is we're going to look at the Eurovision Song Contest of fourteen ninety two. Man, that would probably be all like lutes and you know like skin <laughs> drums. <laughs> ah, hark! I see the minstrels have come to play us a serenade. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, yes. Uh, but no, not quite that far back. No. Back to oh, the yesteryear of 2007. It was many a moon ago. <laughs> so 2007, I know that this whole year is one of your favorites. Uh, after watching it again, did it live up to your memories, oh, your expectations? It's such a fun year. And yeah. I was surprised... Um, by how much I enjoyed a particular song, which we'll come to later. Oh, I think I know which one you might be referencing. All right, okay, <laughs> we'll we'll right? discuss that maybe. Isn't yes. it the one that you have uh, you have raised in many a past conversation? Mm, we shall see. I don't know if okay. we're talking about the same song now. Really? Are we not? Okay, I don't know if well, we are. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Um, so this was uh, Eurovision in Finland following Lordy's win with Hard Rock Hallelujah, which was such a great song. It was so good. I love Hard Rock Hallelujah. It was really good. So we had that playing us into um, the like into the f- final. Like it was our uh, very first song that played as the opening like you know credits were coming on and it was just like such a mood setter i really really enjoyed it it's so finland it's just screams finland because finland is known for their their like heavy metal scene i was just gonna say like i did not know that about finland frankly but like in watching this i was like man finland really loves their like hard metal rock yeah because i mean (laughs) you, you think you had lordy who'd won the year previous Mm-hmm. The, the act they sent was like a sort of symphonic metal act, if I remember rightly. Yes. Then they had uh, Apple. I can't pronounce that band's name. Apple. I'm, I'm going to just pull it up because I can't pronounce it <laughs> without reading it. Apocalyptica, who were a symphonic metal band who started off as like a like a sort of symphonic metal band who did covers of Metallica songs, hence her name. Right. Because I think that was based on a Metallica album. Uh, Sarah, my fiance, is a huge Metallica fan. She'll probably be listening to this and she will tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> so um, this was the halftime show, right? Yeah, so yeah. they embrace metal in Finland. And then this year, they're sending a new metal band to Eurovision in 2021. Man, Finland. You guys and know how to rock out. I think um, the band uh, Him, um, aren't they from Finland? So, um, yes, they are a Finnish band. So, Him, H-I-M, they're from Helsinki. Um, They were famous back in the days of Jackass, because Bam Majera was a massive fan of them. Did you you remember remember Jackass? 
I do remember Jackass. I just don't. I don't remember the love of that particular band. Yeah, I I do. And then th- there's loads of Finnish metal bands and sort of ha- ha- hard rock and sort of heavy punk bands. Uh, I think Turbo Negro are a, another Finnish um, sort of. There's like metal punk band. Uh, yeah, correction to myself. Uh, they're from Norway, but you know, neighbours. Mm-hmm. It's all the sort of music that I used to listen to when I was younger. Right. And yeah. now I hear it, I'm just like, oh, that is just the sound of my youth. And I love it. <laughs> a hard head of nostalgia. It really is. Uh, well, they know how to put on a good rock show in Finland. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed this immensely. And you're right, right out of the gate, we get that uh, that great winning song from 2006 that plays us in and it just sets a great mood, a great tone. And then we get into the show proper. I thought the hosts were... Um, very, very nice. They did a good job. They weren't terribly awkward. I do love the addition of the like uh, the the one like Eurovision fan, quote unquote, host that they like yes. pull out of the audience. Totally not a plant at not all. Not staged. No, no. no. How could I ever be staged? <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so that was fun. Chris Salminen, who is a stand-up comedian from Finland, who does that's yeah, a character she, she plays. She was funny. What I loved about it is that, like, there were awkward, cringy moments, as there always are, but they were intentionally awkward and cringy, which made it not hard to watch. It's when it's like, you know, (laughs) it's when it's when they're trying to give a real interview and it ends up being like absolutely cringeworthy that I find it hard. So that was fun. And then there were a lot of fun songs and performances uh, in this one, too. Like, on the whole, I really enjoyed this this year, for sure. Yeah, so we had our host, uh, Jana, who is actually currently a sitting MP in Finland. Really? Yep. And also uh, Miko. So they both did a really good job. They were entertaining, congenial, brilliant hosts. Just what you need. Yes. And they didn't get too in your face, but they weren't awkward. So it's just... Agreed. I thought they... Do, did a good job of hosting and didn't... A very good job. Yeah. It wasn't painful to watch. There was no, like, awkward silences and trying to not talk over each other or anything like that. Right. Yes. So true. Right then. Um, so shall we dig into the songs? Let's do it. Yeah. So we start off with the postcards. And the postcard theme for this year was short stories. Uh, so we had short stories such as Manu had to paint a bit of wood in a boat whilst water was pulling into pouring into the dry dock. And Goff learns how to feel joy again whilst on a roller coaster. And my favourite, if a mobile library's a rockin', don't come a knockin'. That's so true. I don't know. I can't tell uh, whether or not uh, these were your cup of tea, but I thought they were charming and silly and fun. I loved them. I love the postcards oh, where I'm like, I'm like watching it to find out what on earth is happening, and like, because yes. apparently those stories, it's like there was barely stories, but they were entertaining. They were entertaining and they were like purposefully sort of like silly and awkward in a way that I just found so charming. Like when the goth finds love on the roller coaster and at the <laughs> end he like clicks his heels in the air, you know what, what I mean? So like happy. <laughs> That's all he needed was to go on a roller coaster and meet a pretty girl. 
Right. And then there was one where it was two guys who were going on like a polar bear dip uh, in the uh, icy water. They had an accordion for a reason that is not explained. (laughs) And then like when the guy gets into the water, he crouches down in a ball and then like rolls in sideways. It's so weird and awkward, (laughs) but hilarious. I thought these were so fun. Santa playing chess with a moomin. Um, like there was a lot. Santa featured heavily in this in this entire <laughs> final. Um, and I mean, like I'm not mad at it. The only part that was weird was the Santa kissing, the excessive Santa kissing <laughs> at the end <laughs> with the winner. But uh, but yeah, I wasn't mad at Santa's involvement. I didn't know that Santa originated in Finland. Yeah, he's, he's from Lapland in Finland. I mean, Eurovision. It's it's teaching me about music. It's teaching me about culture. It's teaching me about Santa. I love you, Eurovision. Thank you. And if you send a letter to Santa, it actually does go to Lapland and his elves do reply. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah, they actually reply. Um, they they uh, make do, they write replies on behalf of Santa there. Because Santa's very busy, can't be writing replies to every single boy and girl yes, around the world. Yes, of course. We do that in Canada. I think that that's a place that they do, you know, like in in several places, although obviously we cannot claim that we are the <laughs> originating uh, country of Santa. But yeah, if you send in a, um, a letter to Santa, then there's a team of volunteers at Canada Post that will respond and send a letter back to you, uh, like to your kids or whatever. It's cute. Oh, so sweet. So sweet. Um, okay, well, why don't we talk about some of these acts? Yeah, so any guesses what my favourite song was? I'm going to guess Ukraine. What a surprise. That's the song I thought we were talking about in the beginning. No. <laughs> no, oh, you because you were saying you were surprised that you liked one. Obviously, this one is not a surprise. Yeah, I wasn't, oh, I'm so surprised I like it. It's like, <laughs> no, I was genuinely surprised I liked another song. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. So, yes, it is no surprise to me that Ukraine was your favourite, but tell us why it is and continues to be your favourite after all this time. It is so camp. I mean, it's high yes. camp. Yes. It's ridiculous, and it knows it's ridiculous. Yeah. And mainly, this song is just heckin' catchy. I know, I still have it in my head. Like, I can see this being a, like a Eurovision anthem for all time, right? It, you put this song on and the fandom just goes crazy. It gets the party started. It's just like so fun. That is absolutely the case. Yeah, I bet. Um, I don't think that, um, I mean, I certainly have not seen the 2007 Eurovision before. I have not seen this performance before, but the song itself, I feel I have heard. It has to be something that just through, you know, through various Eurovision things I have watched that it somehow made its way into my brain. It's possible, but I've I've tried to avoid anything that's had it in, uh, where it's been referenced. But have you seen the uh, Melissa McCarthy film, Spy? Yes. It's in that. Maybe that's why. Because I can't place where I might have heard it. But once uh, it hits the chorus, I was like, I know that. That is good. That is a that is an earworm that's just going to, you know, reside in your brain for the rest of your life. Yep. It, it's there. I'm sorry about that. It's Hell never leaving no. you. <laughs> I don't mind a bit. But yeah, in my notes, I put this is just absolute insane spectacle. It was just like fun. Camp drama sparkles like i was here i was yep. here for it 
uh, multiple languages in it. So you've got uh, Russian, German, Ukrainian, and English. Oh, wow. Four different languages in there. so many languages. Yep. Um, and I'm doing that from memory. I'm going to check and make sure I am right, but I'm almost certain I'm right about that. Um, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. German, English, Ukrainian, Russian. Yeah. Well remembered, Chris. Very good. Uh, yes, I, I just thought it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, now, the choice of a drag performer didn't go down too well in Ukraine. It didn't. No. <laughs> um, so it was quite fiercely criticised by uh, media and sort of the right-leaning um, parties in Ukraine at the time. At oh, the time, I'm sorry. Yeah. I misheard you. When you you were saying it was the choice of having a drag performer at all, I thought you were saying the choice of drag performer. No, I.e. No. <laughs> in the selection of drag performers, they had to choose from the one that they selected. I see now you that You chose it was, a wrong drag performer. Right. In which case I was like, I don't think so. She nailed it. <laughs> yeah. um, but right, I see now. How it's big the is fact- Ukraine's drag performance? Uh, sort <laughs> right, of pool. Exactly. But I see, yes. Yeah, so the, yeah. the choice to have a drag performer at all was a controversial one, I'm understanding. It was, yeah. Yeah, um, okay. I mean, at the time, I think Ukraine was kind of very split um, down, like pro-Europe and Eurosceptic mm-hmm. um, divides, um, and it was like the more sort of, I wouldn't say communistly, that's not the right word, but sort of the the sort of more Eastern European-leaning sort of polit- political parties were against it. I see. Yeah. Well, I am very happy that uh, that Verka was able to, you know, go and perform and represent and do an amazing job. Come in second, and I mean, like, make it in the history books is like I'm sure one of the great like Eurovision performances. And now she comes back year after year, right, as a representative. Sorry. Does it's Verka, right, who is Verka, the performer? Yeah. Yes. Does she, we have seen her before. Does she not come back as a representative of the judges panels or? Yes, Verka has given the scores and in the uh, 2010 contest uh, where Germany won, where they had like the video screens showing like people in their houses. Verka was there with the character who plays his mum. Right. Uh, I don't know what pronouns to use with Verka because it's, uh, Verka's drag act is so genderqueer. Yes, fair enough. I, you know, when I'm referring to someone in drag, I always sort of default to she and that might not be appropriate here. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's one of those sort of cases where I'm like, I'll just use they. They, they are safe. <laughs> yes, fair um, enough. Yeah, so um, Verka, they've they've come back, they've given the scores, they've been on a screen sort of cheering on the Ukrainian representative for 2010. And they are... Um, part of the Interval Act in the 2019 contest, which we will be looking at this series before we come to the 2021 contest. Oh, fun. Yes. That will be good. Well, I I obviously, based on uh, my comments, I'm sure you can tell that I enjoyed this performance immensely as well, though it was not my number one. It was oh, number dear. two for me. That's not bad. Not bad. You agree so, with the um, public and the judges. That's right. Yes. So I did not agree with the public on number one. My number one is different. But uh, number two, I ranked it uh, in line with where it came in and the actual results. And I think, um, you know, I, I I wouldn't have been unhappy at all if if it had won. I thought it was terrific. So I've made a prediction for your number one. Okay. And I think it might be Hungary. So Magdi Rusa of Unsubstantial Blues. I... 
Really liked that one. And it was it was really high up there for a while. And then I, I did switch things around a little bit. So it is not my number one. Oh. I actually have Hungry at seventh. But it was at my number two for quite some time. So um, so do you have a second guess for my number one? Um, let's think. How about Ireland, Dervish, um, They Can't Stop the Spring? No. I'm going on a folksy kind of... You know, you. You, I mean, so this one might throw you for a loop because it isn't as folksy. But my number one was Sweden, the glam rock. Yes. Like, so that, that's the the arc with the worrying kind. I really loved it. It gave me, uh, it gave me like classic Queen vibes. Not every Queen song. You know how Queen has kind of like a a a few different kind of yeah. m- musical uh, vibes. Well, this gave me a certain kind of Queen song type of uh, like glam rock, um, you know, moment. And I really enjoyed it. And I feel like I have seen that performer as well. The uh, lead singer of this band, The Ark. Was, yeah. was he in the Eurovision movie? No, he wasn't. No. And have we seen him in any other Eurovisions we've covered? Nope, that's the... First and only time he's been at Eurovision, as far as I'm aware. So weird. Okay, so he uh, was one who I thought that I recognized from something else, and also the singer from Serbia I thought I had seen before, but I can't figure out where. So I don't know if (laughs) this whole final, I just, I was like, that looks familiar. This sounds familiar. I think I know that person, (laughs) but I guess I don't in any of these cases. (laughs) Well, Um, But I thought they were really fun. I loved it. Same. Say I put them third. Did you? Wow. I did, yeah. That was my third favourite. So, I, I mean, I, I'd i forgotten that this sort of campus tits glam rock was in Eurovision for this year. Um, yeah. As a Brit who sort of grew up in the 90s, I li- heard a lot from my, like my dad mainly. My dad liked punk and also glam rock. Yes. So glam rock was always being played on TV and radio on like, you know, like sort of throwback TV, sort of music TV shows like Top of the Pops 2 would feature glam rock a lot, like sure. Mark Bolan um, and uh, so Mark Bolan from T-Rex uh, and um, The Sweet, they're another um, one. And then also the one the other remind me of, and I'm trying to give a name, they do the Christmas song. So here it is, Merry Christmas, Christmas. Slade. <laughs> so, I wouldn't have known who that is, but I knew the song. So I, I, I see how you got to Queen. But I think because glam rock was so big in the UK, I I went straight to the Sweet and Slade as my and T Rex. Yes, as my yeah, sort of references. What you reminded me of? Probably, uh, probably even better. But I couldn't think of the name of a glam rock song that was like really evoking what this was bringing in me. But I just like felt it, and I and I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very disappointed that they did not do better in the actual results because 18th is just Scandalous. not good enough. Scandal, scandal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that it was just so fun. And like I say, I grew up in the UK in the 90s. I feel like I'm hardwired to enjoy glam rock. Yeah. It's in my DNA. I love it. Um, so we just uh, had my brother-in-law's birthday, and he is a huge lover of glam rock, especially The Darkness. Have we <gasps> talked about this we before? We have talked about The Darkness, I feel, yes. He's obsessed with The Darkness. And so Justin... Hawkins. 
Hawkins, yes, thank you, he is on Cameo, where you can pay to have people give a personalized message. Oh, yeah. And so we bought a Cameo message where Justin Hawkins, you know, said happy birthday to my brother-in-law and sang him a birthday song and whatever. Like, it was so good. But, uh, yeah, like... I mean, glam rock is a whole vibe, and if you love it, you really love it. So yeah. I'd I, I completely forgot about the doctors as well. That's such a good reference, like who the arc alike. So for like um, right as a more modern reference. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so we are agreed. Sweden was also uh, very high up on both of our lists. So now we have your number one and your number two. Or, number, sorry, we have three. your number one and number three. We have my number one and one and number two. So what, what is next on your list? In number two, I've I've just basically swapped the top two from the uh, televote. Uh, in number two, I've got uh, Serbia. So uh, Maria Serifovic with Molitva, which translates mm. to prayer. Yes. Okay. And so why did this make your number two spot? W- one word, rousing rousing i mean this was a pretty incredible performance the vocal performance was was very well done i mean her vocals are just spot on and like you can see the raw emotion in her face yes um and she just gives it everything um and this song is so sort of special in so many ways it's got so many like firsts in its sort of to it's like this was serbia's debut year in eurovision as an independent country wow they were previously as part of like serbia montenegro 2004 to 2006 and previous to then like the part of yugoslavia it was the first song to be solely in a native language to win the contest since diva in 1998 wow and was the last one until amor pelos amor pelos dois in 2017 really yep and it was a first balkan ballad it was sorry it was the first ballad to win since televoting was brought in and the first ever balkan ballad to win so so many sort of great stats there i think yes yeah i mean like i feel like all of those stats are pretty um incredible and pretty hard to argue with um i did not put it nearly as high i put it pretty middle of the pack and and i feel a bit bad about it quite frankly now that you tell me all of these firsts but um you know just looking at the song itself and listening to the song itself it didn't uh it you know it didn't sort of speak to me quite as much as some of the other ones but uh i mean you cannot argue with the performance with the you know the message of the song and you know that is a whole lot of wins for you know for that song to have not to mention the win of the whole shebang so so good for them yeah um there's a possibility that my sort of um scoring on that is swayed by the fact that i knew it knew it was the winner Mm. Um, I've heard that song so many times. It was possible with some unconscious bias um, leading me to love it so much, but... 
I mean, but the there's a reason why, I mean, it has stuck with you, right? If you have heard the song before and uh, it has uh, stuck with you and you found it to be impactful, then rightfully so, you should rank it as number one. And I mean, you're not alone. Clearly, this is something that spoke to a lot of people. And so it it won the whole contest. So, yep. I mean, I'm not at all surprised that this one won. I, I think that, uh, you know, looking at it outside of my own personal musical preferences, you can tell that this is a, you know, this is a great song. This is a Eurovision song with a, you know, at the caliber that deserves a win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised at all that it's number one, even though it's not in my own particular ranking my favorite song. No. So what was, so we've heard your numbers. Um, one and two. One and two. So what's your number three? My number three is Russia, which uh, was also in line with the actual ranking. Oh, you're hiding your eyes. Um, so yeah, the uh, in the actual results, my second and third place are the same as the uh, second and third place um, actual results, which does not usually happen for me. But I love this rush. I feel like I feel bad now that I'm like I uh, passed up on the incredibly um, poignant and rousing song from Serbia, and instead I have chosen the Russians in Wednesday Adams meets nunnery costumes, and they do a rock song. Uh, but I can't help it; I liked it. Fair Why did you not? You did not like it. I can tell. I put it third from bottom for me. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was like just major sort of cringe. Um, really? It was like, yeah, it was like they're trying to sort of capture that lightning in a bottle that was tattoo. Um, not quite managing it. I didn't enjoy it. I, I did. I did. I mean, like... Yeah, as is the case with many songs in these past Eurovisions that we would watch, I'm not going to put this on and listen to it on my way, you know, um, in the put it on in the car and listen to it on my way to work. I'm just not. But yeah. I just found it, like, fun, and uh, I thought it had a great, like, percussion beat. I just thought that, like, the bass was fun. Um, I do... Uh, feel like their outfits were kind of hilarious that they had the like black dress over a white turtleneck that really like kind of gave the vibe that it was like a like a nun's collar or whatever <laughs> I don't know why they did that but like anyway I just thought it was fun and silly I I, I am genuinely a fan of Tattoo so do you remember Tattoo all the things she said the, yes yeah, yeah this so is they... like the the um like two girl duo yes yes, yes. Uh, who have performed at Eurovision. I can't remember if we've seen them or not in Eurovision. No, we haven't. I didn't realise no. they were a Eurovision performer. Uh, yeah, they after their sort of success, Russia sent them to represent them. Okay. Um, they didn't do as well as they hoped. Ah, <laughs> uh, shoot. Uh, but I genuinely like Tattoo, so I wonder if like the reason I don't like that is because I genuinely like Tattoo. I'm like, this feels like they're just trying to do the same, similar thing. Like a poor impersonation. Yeah, it just felt, that's exactly how it felt for me. That's what, probably right. why I didn't like it. You know what? I understand that. And I guess um, I did not have the connection to Tattoo. I didn't know that they were performers or whatever. So I didn't make that comparison. But I will say that, like, although they were very different acts, I could not help but compare um, the entry from Finland to the winning entry from the year prior. I know that we're sort of jumping to a whole different area here. But since you raise it, I'll just, uh, you know, like... 
you know, agree by, by, um, telling you about my own comparison, which was that like Finland sent another heavy rock song. And this one just like, I could not help but compare this heavy rock entry from Finland to the year prior's heavy rock entry from Finland. And one just like didn't compare to the other. The one from 20, 2007 was just not in the same sort of like, wheelhouse caliber is the as the other one so yeah like i get that is what i'm trying to say is that like sometimes you can't help but make a comparison and when one just does not stack up against the other you kind of like count it against them i get it yeah so finland with hannah pakarinen with leave me alone leave me alone i quite like that one it was so i put it in ninth place i enjoyed it it's nowhere near as good as hard rock hallelujah i wouldn't i wouldn't compare them though because Leave Me Alone is like more pop towards pop rock. Sure. Whereas Hard Rock Hallelujah is hard rock. So I would would say that I I see why you would sort of connect it to because they are sort of rock subgenres. Yeah. Um, But also uh, Finland with Leave Me Alone. That was the highest place Western European country of the night. And where did they finish? 17th. 17th. So the 16 Mm. countries above that were all from Eastern Europe. Which did oh, result all, in, wow. yeah, it did result in some controversy. Um, did it because, really? Yeah, because people, especially the people in the UK, are like, "Oh, it's all political. That's why we don't win." And as I've said before, the reason we don't win, we don't send songs good enough to win. Right. <laughs> we're getting better with James Newman last year and the song he's sending this year. We're getting better. We're not going to win this year, I don't think, because mm. just because the competition's so good. But for for me right now, the UK's priority needs to be getting the Eurovision scene a little bit more seriously by British people. So the, mm-hmm. the better songs we send that do well in the charts in the UK, people around Europe will see, oh, the UK's taking it seriously again. Great. And maybe pay attention to our songs. People in the UK will realise, oh, it's a proper song contest now. It's not just uh, ridiculous camp songs anymore. Right. Which was always a place for ridiculous camp songs, but it, it needs to be the minority of the songs. One or two in an entire contest each year, I would say. Right. But yeah. I mean, don't take all the camp out of Eurovision. That's oh, why I like God, that. Got to have some of the camp, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the outcome was seen as like a political divide between Western and Eastern Europe because of that. But when you look at it, a lot of songs that Eastern Europe sent were just really good. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I like maybe this is just my naivete about like how all the rules and stuff would work, except that like, I mean, uh, how like how could that have possibly been orchestrated? I mean, it it. I mean, if there's reciprocity in the voting, I can see that it's very easy for one country to simply choose their neighboring country and, you know, give that country their 12 points. I mean, like, that's relatively easy to pull off. But like, how could the entire contest uh, voting be orchestrated so that all of a certain area comes in top and all of the, you know, the other area comes in? Like, I don't I feel like it has to be coincidence. Exactly. It's just human seeing patterns where patterns don't exist. Exactly. I shouldn't say coincidence. I should say, you know, there just happen to be some songs better than others, right? Yeah. And so that they happen to come all from uh, one area instead of another. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, yes, I kind of jumped ahead there with uh, with my thoughts on Finland, no, which I did fine. not score very highly. But uh, in any case, 
<clears throat> Russia was my number three, and your number three from bottom. <laughs> I that's a little it, closer to where we normally yeah, stack that's, up. That's usually it. Yeah, <laughs> that feels familiar. I want to give a shout out to my song that came in fourth because one of my favorite countries never to win Eurovision is Georgia. Yes. Now they have a habit of sort of either. Um, so Yurun from uh, Eurovision Division has brought it up in uh, that podcast that Georgia either send a song for Eurovision or a song for Georgia. So mm. when he sent when Georgia sent a song for Eurovision, it's your standard sort of pop song. I like when Georgia send a song for Georgia. So our first DNQ when we did um uh oh gosh I've forgotten the band's name um. It was the parachute flying uh, yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. I've completely forgotten the name. That. My mind's gone completely blank. Uh, so their song, I love. It's weird. It's out there. And I really enjoyed um, Georgia's song. So uh, Sofo Kalvashi with Visionary Dream. Like, so that is, a, I think that is a for Georgia entry. So yeah. therefore, I love it. I mean, musically, it's kind of everywhere at the yes. same time. But it's got some proper 90s beats with like weird warp warp noises and um and sword dancing as well because you know why not have some sword dancing and yeah. ju- just before um we started recording I was listening to the recap of songs and it hit me what it reminds me of and it reminds me of Ray of Light by Madonna Oh I can see that for sure Yeah Yeah I really liked this too I didn't uh, have it quite as high as yours but I had it uh 13th um so it was at the you know, middle, you know, straight down the middle for me, really. And I, I, I thought that it was really fun and kind of like weird in a delightful way. Yeah. Right. Shall we look at the uh, bottoms before we come to the big four? Yes. So, um, who have you got at your bottom? So my bottom, I have Belarus. Um, I did not love this one. I actually had some high hopes for it because it was the first like few beats of the song that it it, like had kind of like the musical style of a spy movie or like a heist movie. I've got that exact note. I I mentioned that it was like um, a Bond villain's musical theater number. So it made like a James Bond musical. Exactly. And then it had the backup dancers that were like in black suits with high turtlenecks or whatever. I was like, oh, this is going to be like a fun (laughs) James Bond style romp. And instead, it was just this cheesy letdown. Um, And then the... The guy, I don't know, I just wasn't connecting with his performance at all. I found it a little bit schmarmy. At one point, he uses one of his backup dancers as a stool. I was like, <laughs> oh, I just don't like this. And I think that I might have been a particularly hard on it because in those first few notes, I was excited. I was like, oh, I love a Bond-like style, um, you know, spy movie vibe. But uh, And then it just like kind of let me down. So I was like, oh, I'm mad at this one i'm gonna put it at the bottom <laughs> so i quite enjoyed this one so uh, dimitri uh Coldun, uh work your magic so it's like work your magic da, 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 da. <laughs> i enjoyed it i put it 10th i quite like the uh sort of andrew lloyd webber-esque horn runs that were in it like sort of mm, trumpet I, I sounds i'll have to go back and listen for that i can't sort of picture it uh as well as being a scar kid i'm a musical theater kid so kind of like that sort of sound yeah uh, so I, I'm surprised that was a bottom for you, but 
I think you're being harsh because it didn't live up to your expectations from the maybe, first few notes. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> because, because I was expecting more from it. Uh, so what was your bottom? Right. I've got to apologise. It's not the singer's fault. It's not the artist's fault. It's not the country's fault. I just hate jazz. I always have hated jazz. So I'm really sorry, Germany. I just couldn't get into that song. So Germany uh, is my number four. Uh, so... <laughs> so Roger Cicero with Frauen Regieren die Welt. So women women rule the world. I just don't like jazz. I loved this. No, I feel it didn't like do it for I me. wouldn't even I wouldn't even really call this jazz, but maybe that's be- maybe sort of swing, sort of jazz, big it, band style. It was yeah, big band like crooner style, which yeah. I really love, like a Michael Bublé slash you know, like as a modern example slash Rat Pack style, you know, fifties crooner, sixties crooner. Like, oh, I love that. I love that. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised though that we differ in opinion on this one because, yeah, uh, um, yeah like our uh tastes don't perfectly align on uh on a lot of musical taste but uh yeah your bottom okay yeah um i mean again i i love reading up on a bit of the controversy about songs so uh the lyrics were criticized by germany's feminist magazine emma uh they voted roger cicero the pasha of the month which is uh, a title for men who display chauvinist attitudes because of the song's lyrics Oh no, what so, were the lyrics? So they were of the opinion about the line, um, and apologies to any German listeners, my pronunciation will be bad. Und schon öffnen sich Tasche und Herz und dann kauft du Ring und Nerds. I've probably butchered that, I do apologise. But the translation into English is, and soon your wallet and heart open, and then you buy a ring and mink coat. So they thought that was antiquated. Mm, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> So, but I just don't like that style of music. So it was never going to score well with me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it did not score very well in the actual results either. It came in 19th. So I'm the outlier here, really. <laughs> yeah. And like I say, um, sadly, Roger Cicero has passed away um, quite a young age. Um, so I don't want to speak ill of the dead. So uh, I, I do apologize. Just not my cup of tea. I'm never no. going to like this style of music. It's always, that style of music is always probably going to score low with me. I'm not into it. That's fair. That it's is like fair. a sort of base instinct. I'm like, mm, no, don't want that. <laughs> and that is uh, a genre that I would always gravitate towards. So what was your bottom song? Oh, we My very that. bottom was Belarus. That was it. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, so just above. So Germany song for me, what came third in a bad run of three songs that I didn't like. Okay, so what was next? So the song that came second to bottom was the song that was in 16th place in a running order. So uh, there was uh, Latvia. Uh, so Bonaparte.lv, Questa uh, Notte, uh, which translates to tonight. You, laugh, you like this, don't you? I had it as number five. <laughs> <laughs> Again. I liked it. It's the same problem that I have with Germany. I don't like that style of music and I'm never going to enjoy it. It's probably not yes. a bad song. I just don't like that style of music. And I'm like, no, it's not for me. And that's yeah, all I it would is. not put this in the same in the same, you know, musical genre as Germany. Like 
there are different styles of music, though neither appeal to you, right? Um, but this one had kind of like a four tenors type type of style for me, like, um, you know, not straight opera, but operatic vibes. And I love a harmony. This is not something that I would normally like uh, gravitate towards. Whereas with Germany, like with an old school crooner stuff, I would legitimately just put that on and listen to it. I would just listen to it in my day to day. Um, and for Latvia, I really liked this one as a Eurovision song. And I, you know, I thought that it was like performed really well. I love like a three, four part harmony. Yes, give me that. But um, but this isn't something that I would just like sort of listen to on the day to day. Yeah. But so like, not your cup of tea. Clearly. Not my cup of tea. So technically, I can't follow the vocals. I just don't enjoy yeah. it. I don't like operatic pop. Um, and they were dressed like the fat controller from um, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, the, the, the top hats and the roses was yeah. a little cheesy, I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, it was uh, not for me. Um, so weirdly all in Italian, despite uh, Italy not Italian not being an official language of Latvia. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so all of the, the majority of other Italian language songs have been submitted by Italy, San Marino, Switzerland, all who have Italian as an official language. Right. Uh, to want to correct myself as well, I said that um, Germany was 19th in running order and Latvia was 16th. No, I was wrong there. So it went in running order, 14, 15, 16th, it went Latvia, Russia, Germany. So that those three in a row were in my oh, bottom three. The, you were hating that little chunk of <laughs> the time in the final. That would have been a toilet break moment if it was a live Eurovision. Right, yeah, fair. That's the good thing about a song you don't like getting to the final of Eurovision, because you're, you're like, that's when I go to a toilet for a tactical wee. Yeah. <laughs> um. So next I have Armenia. I thought this was just kind of cheesy and, I mean, it was fine. It was ballady, uh, but not, not my cup of tea. All I had notes for it, I put in 18th place. It was bang average. Average, I had yeah. I had nothing else to add on to that. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good, in my opinion. It was just bang average. It was acceptable music. Yes. I wasn't offended musically by it, but I wouldn't run out to listen to it again. No. Um, and then finally, in my bottom three, I have a Romania. Um, so, so Romania sent, which song do they send? They send, uh, I quite like that. I mean, it didn't score highly for me. So Romania um, sent, uh, oh, where's it gone? Uh, Toto Mondo with Luby Luby, I Love You. So it reminded me of uh, the song I Evans Poker, which was made famous on the website leakspin.com. I don't know it. Right. You may have heard the song. So it was like a, it was just like a, a, a video or a gif of a, an anime girl just spinning a leak around. And it had this Finnish, I think it was Finnish. I think Ivan's poker is Finnish. I'll have to check. Um, which would be a good link to the uh, entire year. So I like that sort of music where it gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. I kind of like that. And I think we've talked about this before that I don't really. I don't, I don't really love it when, um, yeah, it just kind of like gets so fast to the point that it's like an onslaught. It's like chaos, right? Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, like this didn't, I didn't hate it. It didn't like... St- I didn't, 
you know, strongly dislike it in a way that it was offensive to me or anything. Like in some of your visions, like there is a song that I'm like, I hated it. Put it at the bottom. <laughs> it's garbage. This was not that. I thought it was fine. It just, uh, you know, not not my not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, at the bottom, towards the bottom of my list as well. Um, I had the same problem that I had with my uh, bottom two for um, uh, Hungary's uh, Magdi Russia or Unsubstantial Blues. I put that 20th just because I don't like the blues. I don't like bluesy music. Doesn't that do it for Hungary? me. Yeah. Yes. And I scored that much higher, uh, which we've chatted about already. I mean, great voice. Can't felt the vocals, but I don't love that sort of music. And yeah. uh, the only sort of other song I've got in the bottom, uh, Lithuania, I was just annoyed that they sent a band called For Fun and sent something that was like 90s background music in a restaurant. Um, so they sent a song called Love or Leave. I had that middle of the pack. That was very Carlos Santana-ish to me, right? It was like, it was the guitar that made the song more than it was the vocals, right? Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I it was not really, really high on my list, but I do think I liked it better than you. Uh, it was, so I've had it middle of the pack. Audio beige. Beige, yeah. <laughs> Fair. Right. Um. Yeah, well, I think that that, uh, that covers the tops and bottoms. Now, what about... The big, big, big four. Four. Because it was when still Italy hadn't rejoined the contest. Sure. Um, so I've covered uh, Germany. Um, France, um, I put them eighth. Uh, so France sent uh, Le Fatal Picards with L'Amour à la Francois. L'Amour à la Francois. I can't do French very well, so I do apologise. <laughs> Translation to French love. I, I quite liked it. It's like a pop punk song in Franglais. Franglais? How do you pronounce that? Yeah. Like the French that? In- Franglais, like that sort of combination of French and English. Franglais or, yeah, Franglish. Yeah. Like, we, <laughs> we yeah. think either. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. And I actually got quite carried away when I was watching it. I was just bopping around in my seat. Yeah, I actually had this. Uh, I, I did score it middle of the pack. It was a little bit higher in my first watch. And then when I did the recaps, I moved it down a little bit. But on the whole, I did enjoy this. I also put that it was kind of a fun punk uh, moment. And like, I thought that it was fun, but not top, tops for me. No. Um, and one of you have a big four. Um, so Spain sent Dinash with um, I Love You, Mi Vida, which translates to I Love You, My Darling. Um it was so early noughties, like a boy band all in white. Yes. Um, a little bit basic, maybe? But it it was, was basic, but I thought it was catchy. Yes, I put that 12th. I put it 19th. Yeah. This is the one that surprised me. For UK. This is the one you were surprised you liked so much? It was. I thought <laughs> this was going to be the bottom of the pack. And then... I was watching, and I remember this song when it first came out. I was annoyed when we sent it in 2007. Because back then yeah. I was like into, I was like, uh, how old would I have been 20, in 2007? I would have been 19 at the time of the contest. Right. I was into sort of heavier music back then, solely like punk rock music. But I still watch Eurovision. And I was yes. annoyed that we sent a ridiculous high camp. Yes, like bubblegum pop. <laughs> bubblegum pop song but as i've old, as i've got older and i've matured i'm able to lean into the ridiculousness of it yeah and you know what i really enjoyed it i put it <laughs> six 
Wow, did you? That is yeah. like the highest I think you have ever ranked the UK on one that we have done. Uh, I feel like I've done higher. Have you? I feel like I have. I'll have to go back over episodes. But Well, it is an anomaly either way. Usually oh, yes. you are uh, a harsh critic of the UK, and rightfully so, because, of course, you want that song to be number one. So when they make a misstep, then uh, you're, you know you're rightfully disappointed but um but yeah i am a little surprised you like this one so much for me it's just that it it knows it's camp it knows it's utter trash yeah <laughs> it's so tongue-in-cheek like you i'm getting like major sort of like holiday park vibes so like they're dressing obviously they're dressed like um flight attendants yes but because they're wearing blue jackets they remind me of pontin's blue coats um so pontin's like a holiday park in the uk I don't think it's going anymore. It's like a place called Butlins who have red coats. Um, so it's like very sort of Pontins Holiday Parks is like it's where people in the UK go for holidays in the UK or okay. did back back in the 90s and early noughties. And it was like you'd stay in like a, like a little sort of self-contained apartment and every night you'd go down to the um, to the theatre that they have on site. And the, the Pontins Blue Coats are like um, I want to be polite and not call them failed theatre kids. So um, people who have multiple talents and haven't gone big time yet, maybe is a polite way of saying it. Right. So they're singers, dancers, entertain- all-round entertainers. Yes. I feel like this is like, you're talking about like cruise ship level entertainers. Exactly, it. yeah. Yes. Or like, have you ever been on an all-inclusive, um, like, I don't know if it's as popular to do all-inclusives all like to, we like Mexico, Turks and Caicos, Cuba. So we, that's- here, most all-inclusives go to um, Spain and I have no desire to go on an all-inclusive holiday. Fair enough. I like... I like being able to go somewhere and like find restaurants that I want to eat at before I go ahead. I don't want to be told by the caterers at the hotel accommodation what my choice of food is. Right. I don't like Fair the enough. lack of control of all-inclusive holidays. <laughs> so um, all-inclusives are really popular in, you know, like like for a southern beach vacation or whatever in Canada and the US. And so I have been on several and they always have like the after dinner entertainment, which is exactly this. It yeah. is kind of like, like not great <laughs> but very campy um like musical theater and stuff that's uh but this actually so this um uk song actually reminded me a little bit of uh like barbie girl yes um, you know kind of bubblegum pop but then also it's kind of like this story that they're telling through the song and they've got like a voiceover during you know so like in barbie girl it's like hey barbie hey ken whatever yeah. and in this one it was like fasten your seatbelts your exits are here you know it's like that same level of camp where they're kind of talking and uh singing they're telling this whole story i thought it was really fun it's laden with innuendo like like pull firmly on the red cord and blow (laughs) into the mouthpiece like we wish you a very pleasurable journey (laughs) would you like something to suck on for landing sir (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like not all that subtle but they can still get away with it but because it's so unsubtle it's cynic proof basically they know the song is utter garbage right and you just gotta go along for the ride and lean into it and i leant into it and i really enjoyed it all of a sudden 
Yeah. Yeah, that was I thought it was really fun. I scored it middle of the pack. It didn't make the top 10 for me as it did for you. But I thought that it was really fun. And uh, I definitely enjoyed the camp factor. Yeah. So all those times I've been saying you can't like a song ironically. No, you can. You can. Um, okay, so then uh, anything else of note that you want to discuss? Um, yeah, um, so Macedonia sent Carolina with a, I can't, Mohosviet, um, translates into my world. I only scored it 17th, but I want to give it a shout out because I gave it a lower score originally. And hmm. then I look, and then I was reading up on it and I was like, I found it was in a 7 8 time signature and i went back and was like oh that's interesting musically so i gave it a few bonus points because of an interesting musical uh feature so uh seven sort of um beats to the bar which is difficult so yeah Uh, i gave it bonus points for technical virtuosity bonus points for the um technical difficulty for macedonia exactly i would not have known but uh I like sometimes I don't even notice when they do like a, a change in key. I need to I need to get better at my like musical technical uh, prowess. I also want to give a shout out to Ireland. So Ireland sent um, folk band called Dervish with "They Can't Stop the Spring." That came bottom on the night. I put it thirteenth. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that it was um, like traditional instruments, like the wind instruments. There was like lutes. I thought that it was really, you know, fun and it gave me nothing but Irish like sentiments. It was so distinctly Irish. And the song I thought was very pretty. There was a lot of um, in many of the performances, there was a lot of kind of uh what's the word that i'm looking for sort of leaning in in the costumes and stuff yeah. and uh and this was no exception um i thought that it was lovely yeah so that five points came from the albanian backup jury because um albania didn't have a, a valid televote i don't know what the issue was huh. so all countries back then it was all televote but they always had a backup jury in case there was problems so yeah there's um there's a theory that if the albanians had a televote it would have scored scored zero points but we'll never um, know. We'll never know. Well, I'm glad it didn't get I zero. think it was underscored. I think it was a passable, decent song. I agree. I did not have it particularly high. I rated it 17th, but uh, clearly it wasn't at my bottom. I liked yeah. it better than, than where it landed. I'd, if I was at like an acoustic music festival, um, I'd go watch them. Yeah. Based on the merits of that song, it's decent. I don't think it's terrible. I agree. Um, right, so I think that's all the songs that I want to go over with any, any others for you. No, I think that that hits all of the, um, you know, all of my big tops and low lows. Yeah. All good. Um, so sort of like interval at sort of time. Um, we've mentioned before, Santa Claus um, opening yes. up the voting. Lots of Santa. And Svante was a polite and gentle t- child, apparently. Oh, good to yes. know. Yes. Um, and so we had the interval that. So we've uh, mentioned upper. I hate that I can't pronounce that word very well. Apocalypto. Apocalyptica. Apocalyptica. <laughs> took, my mouth struggles with that. Apocalyptica <laughs> sort of took us basically Cirque du Soleil in Finland. Yes, it was straight circus. And some of it I thought was 
beautiful and mesmerizing and some of it i thought was like weird and like off-putting but on the whole i enjoyed it did you enjoy the guy sword eating a like a neon light bulb no it made i was like oh my god i've seen (laughs) i have seen like sword swallowers in person i've seen flame eaters in person but i've never seen a fluorescent light bulb eater (laughs) so weirdly what a cool trick it, gave, it was more uncomfortable. Um, also, like, he was the guy who, like, birthed himself out of a giant balloon. Right? Yes, that's all, yeah. <laughs> that was weird. But in, in the very beginning where it was like, um, it was almost like ballet, this dance. It was gorgeous. And then, you know, a lot of the aerial acts were really beautiful. And I really enjoyed the sort of, like, head-banging cello. Cellos. How, how do you windmill whilst playing cello? I don't know, but they managed. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. Really entertaining uh, interval act. And it felt, like I said before, it felt very Finnish. Yeah, sure. What I would expect from Finland, I'd expect no less than yeah. something that referenced Finland's love of heavy metal. Yeah, it was very good. Um, so voting weirdness um, wasn't a great deal to report on. I don't know if you skipped a lot of it, as you sometimes do. You know what I do? What I tend to do is I let it play, but then I, you know, make myself a coffee. I, you know, step in the other room. So I'm kind of, I'm a paying attention in background only. Yeah. So um, when Belarus and Armenia gave Russia 12 points, they got booed. Yeah. As is kind of predictable. Uh, when Cyprus gave Greece 12 points, another round of boos. Right. As and- we would expect. And the UK, kind of predictable, didn't give the winning song any points. Really? Yeah, we didn't give any like, points to the winning song. Is that a trend for the UK? I feel like it is. I'll have to, I'd have to go over the uh, stats, but it definitely feels <gasps> like a trend. Scandal! <laughs> um, and then we had, as we mentioned before, um, Santa Claus hitting on Maria from um, the winning country. Uh, despite, uh, you know, I thought it was Maria who was like, <laughs> Santa was like, okay, that's enough kisses. And she was like, one more, one, one more, more, one more, go for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, um, like that gave me a little secondhand embarrassment, but I'm overly sensitive to awkwardness. So, yeah. Um, and, and then we got another rousing rendition of Molitva. Great song. Yes. Uh, I'm not sad about Molly Val winning. You know, it was my second favourite of the night. Yeah. Um, I'm was... certainly not uh, not sad that it won because although it wasn't in my top, it certainly wasn't one where I cannot imagine how it possibly got the points. Like, it was obviously a lovely song, uh, sung beautifully. And what a way to sort of have, like, that, that two-horse race between something really serious and full of emotion and la 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 that is very true it's so daft um so yeah there we have it eurovision 2007 all wrapped up another good year of eurovision and i am happy to have finally experienced the infamous verka performance so now do you see why Ginny lemon is a massive fan of verka saduchka yes i can see the influences for sure Indeed. So next time we are going to be going way back in time, not quite to 1412 or whatever year out was I said at the beginning of the <laughs> of the episode. But we're going all the way back. All the way back 
So our earliest episode we've done was 1957, uh, when uh, Corey Brocken won with Net als Toen. We're going to Eurovision 1958 in the Netherlands. So a really, really old one, which we found quite interesting as a little sort of snippet of modern history. I do. I really find the old ones interesting. And you know I love the fashions. I love to see the fashions. Uh, So this year, in in 1958, uh, the reigning champion, Corey Brocken, actually attempts to win a second time. So you'll be able to find Mm. out if she manages that. We shall see. Well, cannot wait for that. Right then. So um, after the theme tune, we'll have a little bit of drag race chat. Uh, But until next time, bye. Bye. So then, drag race time. Uh, we're getting to the pointy end of um, the US almost maybe like maybe, no, maybe not maybe it might be like 72 <laughs> weeks I don't know it feels like it's getting towards the end and it might not be we are down to the top six in uh, Drag Race US so I think it is it's getting uh, it's getting pretty close now because it's usually like a top four right that go to the yeah. very end so but it I could think also it's... be like you know Rue's like and one of the girls will be returning like really really Rue <laughs> no I do think that we're getting near the end and I think that the uh, the race is getting pretty tight I have not changed my mind about who I think the top four will be um, although we shall see. So my my top four were um, Got Mick, Rosé, Olivia Lux, and Simone. But frankly, I think this is a two horse race between Simone and Got Mick. I would say it's a three horse race between Rose, Simone, and Got Mick, and between those three. You, know, I you think Rosé's in the? Uh, she's in the running. Yeah, she's definitely like she she is a very strong competitor, um, but maybe hasn't been quite as consistent. Um, but you're right. I mean, of those top four. Uh, Rosé would be my number three. I don't think Olivia Lux is uh, is really a contender for the crown. She no. was at one point, but has been a bit inconsistent in the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, so we've had two episodes to go. Have, we have two episodes to go over there. Yeah. Um, so first we've got the makeover challenge. So usually they'd bring in people from the outside world to be put into drag and look uncomfortable. But COVID... They can't yes. do that. They can't just have them working on somebody else's face. So they come up with the alternative way of pairing them up, um, which I will talk about in a moment, uh, to uh, make each other into their sort of signature drag style. I preferred this. I it was preferred good. it. To, yeah. Did, uh, so so the reason why I preferred them um, doing each other up in their own style rather than doing, um, you know, bringing someone in from the outside is that I always feel it's so unfair to the person who is um, like the volunteer who's been dressed up when they get the critiques. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I just feel like they are like living their fantasy. They are coming and walking the runway and they're feeling themselves and they've put themselves out there. And then I find that it's really hard for them to hear, you know, the critiques and then all of their like confidence they've just built in doing this is kind of like crushed. I do think they have done a better job in the last couple of seasons of being a little bit more 
um, diplomatic in the way they give critiques so as to not hurt the feelings of the volunteer who really kind of like went out on a limb and put themselves out there for this. Um, but in any case, I just found that this was so much um, easier for them to give frank criticism because all of the people who were doing it were the participants and yeah. not volunteers. They've that all signed up to thing. get that criticism. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we the, the way they were paired up annoyed me. Yes. That, okay. That whole, Talk about that. So, I I don't believe in psychics, mediums, anything no, like me that. Either. It's no. all fraud. It's all cold reading or even hot reading. And I am certain that Sean Magolis, the quote intuitive medium, um, mm. was using a mixture of both. I mean, for a start, who could have ever have guessed that in America, people, some like uh, eight people were sat in front of her and she said, I'm seeing a truck. It's like, these are Americans, right? They drive, someone in <laughs> one of these eight people's family or themselves is going to drive a truck. Right. It's not a, it's not a sh- really sort of difficult thing to guess. No. I mean, I a hundred percent am on board with you, and I agree that I feel like these um, psychics—they are just kind of like um, reading cues, and they are playing the um, the audience, and just like looking for—I uh, don't know hints at what direction they need to go into though frankly for this show i wouldn't be surprised if i mean it was just all produced right exactly could have just production could have just fed her the snippets of information and it was just all for the show like i I didn't believe i didn't want to see i'm not a fan of tina burner's drag but i didn't want to see tina burner getting upset about her dead family right that's not good tv i don't like mediums anyone who does that sort of thing it's just preying on people's uh, vulnerabilities. It's horrible. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't ever want to see that again on Drag Race. Yeah, I do think that I think that it was intended to be something that was just kind of like fun. Um, and like maybe maybe I'm like giving them too much credit, but I, I don't think that they were actually, you know, uh, trying to uh make a case for like this being a legitimate um like medium pun intended but uh in any case i do feel like it was just like a silly way to pair them up and i felt really badly for candy and got mick because it is true that there was a lot of additional work placed on their shoulders they had uh, the hardest challenge they could not possibly have have uh, chosen two more physically different queens. I do think that they must have gotten a little bit of they must have gotten a little bit of help off camera, though. I would think because like that bodysuit that Got Mick was wearing was like it was tailored to perfection. So yeah. hopefully, uh, in order to kind of like put them uh, at you know the same level of difficulty as the other queens they did get some extra help with the tailoring because I mean, that would have been hard what i would say i think got mick and candy muse would have had the same difficulty whoever they were paired up with because right, that's true they're both so different in size and shape to any of the queens that were remaining yes that's very true um so for this uh this competition we had in the tops simone and utica Yep. And in the bottoms, Olivia Lux and Denali. So were you in agreement with the judges on who was on top and who was on bottom? 
Yeah, I, I can't say I disagree with them, but I do just disagree with who went home. Do you? So who do you think should have gone home instead? Olivia. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, Olivia did a worse job of making Denali look like her brand of drag than I agree. Denali did with Olivia. I could yeah. see Denali in Olivia's look, but I couldn't see Olivia in Denali's look. I agree. So I think that this is like one of those instances where, I mean, like it's it's judging. And so it's subjective by its very nature. Right. But I feel like sometimes they base it on this one challenge and based on this one challenge, you didn't perform. And so you're going home or based on this lip sync, you did not um, lip sync as well. And so you're going home. And then in other cases, I think that they base it on report cards. They base it on the larger scope. And I think they must have in this one when they chose to keep Olivia because you're right the reason they were in the bottom two was because Olivia's look yeah. like I mean I don't I didn't I could see Denali's look on Olivia I didn't particularly care for the look so there's an argument to be made there too maybe but undeniably like the cr- criticism from the judges was primarily of Olivia's look um so I would agree um but I was very um impressed with Simone and Utica, I really agree with the judging on having them up on top. And I was I was really impressed to not only with like how they chose to dress each other, because I thought that that was like really fun to see these two very opposite styles. But I was really impressed with both of them and how they embodied the um, the like the style yeah. of the other when they were portraying them. So Simone did her best sort of like, I don't know, like. Daddy long legs. <laughs> Daddy long legs walk, yes. And kind of like this, you know, weird, awkward style that really translates well with Utica's um, very eccentric uh, drag style. And then, my God, Utica, when she is stomping the runway like a supermodel and all of her awkwardness is set aside, which is something I've talked about before, where it's like I think that she defaults to awkwardness because she's a little like, you know, you know she's a bit socially awkward when she gets uncomfortable i think she she defaults to campiness yeah but when she was like just really embodying simone she was a supermodel on that runway i thought she looked so gorgeous yeah um so uh yeah i mean definitely can't uh fault uh the winners there that was the right decision i think agreed um i quite enjoyed uh candy muse um snapping back at, was it a Denali who mentioned about the fight, the flames looks like? Yeah, Tina Burner doesn't yeah. own flames. If anything, Guy Fieri owns flames. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> this is, I think I've said it before, and I won't harp on it because you know how much I get uncomfortable with, um, with like, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, conflict? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I... I always really dislike this question of who do you think deserves to go home? It is there for no other reason except to sow conflict between the queens. And I don't love that. Like, I don't love that kind of drama when I'm watching. And so and then I also I just hate it when um, I mean, like. Good for Candy for clapping back, I guess, but it made me very uncomfortable. Like, I th- I would take if it were me. I feel like I would I would be the Olivia Lux of the situation, <laughs> where I feel like I would be absolutely seething inside. I would be like just 
like torn up inside and on the outside be like i don't take it personally <laughs> just to avoid conflict like, that's yeah. who i am because moving on to the next episode that's exactly how she was um exactly, in, in yes. that, that after after denali's elimination she was like it's fine it's a competition Right. Which I mean, like, I think that that is much easier to say than it is to feel. And I have no doubt that Olivia probably took some of that to heart. It would be hard not to when the majority of people on the stage told you it was your turn to go home. And yet, I mean, like, I do have to say that I respect her ability to not kind of like heighten the drama and have uh, like a, a... argument about it and instead just say you know to herself internally well i'm gonna show them and then you know uh do that though i mean Uh, like i don't think she performed particularly well that week either but whatever uh, i'm gonna call it now olivia looks gonna win miss congeniality yes i think that's a good call i think i would put money on it if i was a betting man yeah a very good call i agree um so in the uh second episode we had pop goes the queens um so where they had to create and brand their own soft drink and promote it in a 45-second advert. Yeah, so this was pretty hit or miss. Um, There were some queens who just really excelled at this and some that really did not. Um, So... uh, uh, we have Simone as our winner, I thought was well-deserved, though I could have seen Rosé easily be the winner as well. I thought both of them did really great they, jobs. They, 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 they both won. Oh, they did? <laughs> was of course, I win. forgot. <laughs> I forgot that they both won. I'm like, Kim, you're an idiot. Um, yeah, I did forget. I remembered that Simone was, uh, she was uh, named the winner first, but then, of course, Rosé was, she won as well. Um, so, yes, obviously, but they both did terrific jobs. I'm going to use that, Kim, you're an idiot as a cold open for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, And then I thought Candy Muse did a really good job in this, too. I am not the biggest Candy Muse fan. I think that she has done a great job in a lot of things. But I also think that, like, she, um, you know, she doesn't always perform at the same caliber as some of the other queens that are in, you know, my tops. But in this challenge, I thought she did a great job. Yeah. Um, But that runway, oh, my God, was crazy. Yeah. Um, that runway was uh, bottom two look for me. Uh, yeah, I agree. I I do not know what she was thinking with this like fur fur tits fur like bush and then like an alien strapped to her back. I don't know. It was candy. It was it, just. It, it was m- not it. It missed the brief, and it looked like it was made in the dark. <laughs> like the yeah, only I sort agree. of illumination was coming from the neon glow of the outfit yeah it was nuts um so it's good it's a good thing that she did perform well in the actual like branding commercial exercise because that runway was not it See, i would have um, i would have put candy in the bottom two just because her advert was eh it was fine it wasn't great i thought it was funny it, i didn't i didn't love it um but it was a difficult one, I think, for Rue to really judge who was in the bottom, to be fair. In all honesty. Yeah. I think should have should Candy should have at least been in the bottom three. I was surprised. I don't know. I mean, like, I am I was quite surprised that Tina Burner was the one to go home. But if I was to put uh like so Utica and Tina Burner were in the bottom two, yeah. right? 
And then um, if I was to put a third one in the bottom, it would have been Olivia Lux for me, which it was. But like, yeah, so I would have put Olivia closer to the bottom than I would have put Candy. Um, But I was very surprised when Utica did not go home. I thought that she would be of the two. I thought Tina would stay. I I wasn't surprised by that. For me, this was Tina's challenge to lose because Tina is one queen who has been all about branding every yeah. week coming out in red, orange and yellow. Tina knows her brand. Mm-hmm. And then her her advert was confused. It wasn't really on brand. I can't remember what the caption the, the catchphrase was for her drink. Um yeah, so it was like um Make hell horny yeah. or something. Hell yeah, or something like that. But I feel like it was almost like, okay, her brand, her commercial was confused, but then it, I think it was also an oversaturation of Tina Burner's signature look and style with no yeah. evolution. I think that, and I, that we have been saying that week after week that we're like, here comes another red, yellow, and orange, and here comes the same old thing from Tina Burner. So I'm not surprised that that caught up with her frankly um but i did think that like her commercial was better than utica's utica's was crazy it was really weird on like so we just had to pause the recording there just because uh there was a a boy racer (laughs) on a very loud motorbike (laughs) in kim street um so we were just discussing um the uh, bottom two, uh, Utica and Tina Burner. So you were saying that you found Utica's advert was really weird? Oh, yeah. I think I ju- it just made no sense. She was licking the can. She was sucking on cow udders. I just thought it was cuckoo bananas. And I am frankly surprised that that did not did not send her home because Tina's as much as like we're like okay it's a little bit too much red and yellow and whatever it was at least a, a comprehensive commercial like ish I mean I, I disagree because I, I think Utica yeah, is absolutely <laughs> cuckoo bananas and I think that kind of fit her brand I mean it was was confusing but for me I think Tina Burner misses spots like I said Tina Burner is all about that yes. brand that is Tina Burner like if I was Tina Burner I would be like my my picture of the advert would have been something like, has your fire gone out? <laughs> we'll drink this. It will relight yeah. your fire. Something like that. Because that's how I would have, I think Tina Burner could have made it more on brand for herself. Yeah, that's true. So that's why I felt, I, that's why I think Tina Burner went home because branding is basically her thing. Yeah, yeah. She dropped the ball. I So I think that I said that the bottom three were Olivia Lux, Tina Burner and Utica, but I, I think the bottom three might have been Got Mick. Got Mick did, yeah. did quite poorly in this as well. Got Mick struggled. Yeah. Um, got themselves really confused with um, how to write the storyboard, and like writing writing a storyboard in your in a shooting order. It's like no, the storyboard is the finished production order. Yeah. You write the storyboard in the order that you want it to play, but then you shoot it maybe in reverse order, or whatever. So, you know, from your cleanest look to your messiest look. Yeah, so I think she overcomplicated things a little bit. And I agree that I think that her, uh, like, her drink name got mix, got, got sex, 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 sex juice. juice. I mean, like, it doesn't roll off the tongue. I think but that she we just... It. Well, yes, we did remember it. That's true. Um, but yeah, I think that she might have just overcomplicated things for herself. Yeah, but I think on report card, got mix you know, going to go oh, through. Tops, tops. Yeah. Can't be yeah. perfect every week. 
No, that's very true. I, so I continue to, uh, you know, to look at Gottmik and Simone, I, I believe, as being the uh, the top two. Though if there's three in the final, then I agree that Rosé would be the, the, you know, the next logical one to, um, to be in the tops. So that is Drag Race US. Let's talk UK. Yeah, so Drag Race UK, we now have our winner. We have a winner. Uh, so congratulations to Lawrence Cheney. Very well deserved. I I frankly would have been very happy if the winner had been either Lawrence Cheney or Bimini Bamboulash. I think Same. both were absolutely fantastic queens. I think Lawrence started off stronger than Bimini, but it's so true what they said that after the the break for covid bimini came back and just like crushed released the beast <laughs> yes exactly and so when you look at the you know the the two of them they were both very strong performers um they both have a lot of winning badges um and i really could not have guessed which way it was going to land i think that it was just as it could just have easily have gone to bimini yeah um but I am not I'm not disappointed to see Lawrence Cheney win. I think that she was a well deserved winner. Yeah, so Lawrence Cheney was my personal favourite. Yeah. Uh, to win with Bimini like a hair's breath underneath, like in such a close, close second place for me. Yes. I um, agree. I thought Bimini was going to win, just on the back of having uh, one more win than Lawrence. Yes. But I, I root for underdogs. So yeah. I was rooting for Lawrence. And the underdog won. Yes. And you could tell really that Lawrence really connected with Rue from the beginning. Like, I think that um, there was, um, you know, a likability in Lawrence, uh, even when she was not performing well in the challenges. You still she's like just has this, I think, um, you know, warmth about her that endeared her to um, to the judges and to Rue and to the audience. So I agree she was an early favorite for me as well. Um, but then, uh, you know, with Bimini, I like, I just keep thinking about Bimini's amoeba um, catwalk. Like, she was so gorgeous and so funny and really brought it. I mean, like, this was a very close race, in my opinion. Um, So, of course, we had Tace and Ellie Diamond in the final four as well. Tace making it to the final three. Um, So, I think that uh, it was a, it was a great uh, finale. Um, And, of course, we had the episode before that the beast enders um, what's that beast enders beast enders beast enders yes what does that mean so it's a play there's a, a, a soap opera in the uk called east enders it's all about uh people from the east end of london where all cockneys are oh yes yes uh so they went for beast enders <laughs> in true and Alyssa had Edwards no- style no eliminations that week, right? So we had mm. the final four. Yep, she uh, did a double shanté. That's um, right. So yeah, um, we also had the classic "Everybody Loves Puppets" mini challenge. Yes, we did. Yeah, that was always fun. Um, the main thing I want to talk about because I don't watch EastEnders, so a lot of the references in that went straight over my head. Yeah, I had no idea what um, was going on. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, Panto Dames runway theme, so. Do you have panto in Canada? Or is it just truly a very British thing? I think it's very British. Okay, so I want to know, what did you think of the looks? 
Um, I really liked them. Uh, I think that, like, so now let me think back. Um... So, okay, so we had, so the, for the, uh, Panto Dames, uh, runway, we had, um, like, so Ellie Diamond was kind of like a Queen of Hearts type of style, right? That was, yeah. kind of, it was all very camp. And then, um, Lawrence Cheney had the sewing machine on her head with a big, uh, like measuring tape as a, as a belt. Yep. Um, Bimini had sort of like a big doll-like dress on with a big, uh, like, bloomer's underskirt. And then I remember now that Tace got red a little bit for her look, which was more kind of fairy with wings and whatever. Yes. So I, I definitely kind of got a bit of a through line. I mean, like, not knowing what this was supposed to be, I kind of got, um, like, a, a similar concept from the you know just from the looks that they put together but i mean if someone were to ask me to describe what this what the style is supposed to be like i have no idea <laughs> doll dollish doll like so i i was curious to see what your sort of reaction was that because so, i've though i only went to my first ever panto in 2019 in person um yeah at the age of like 31 um or 32 i can't do maths yeah, i would have been 32 um, so I only went to a panto for the first time in person a couple of years ago. I've always known what a panto dame is from like TV pantos. Um, so I, I have that frame of reference to a panto dame. So I find it really interesting seeing like people, um, what, what people in uh, Canada and what people in America and different countries who don't have that frame of reference think of those looks. Cause some people have been like, oh, taste is the best look. It's like taste is the worst look out of those four. Taste so what missed is the brief? So what pan- is panto? So panto, it's it's um always on um theaters around the UK, and panto is what makes theaters money. So uh, with COVID and the theaters being closed, theaters have been losing money hand over fist, and then they were looking forward to being open over that Christmas period, um to get that money in from the pantos, and then we had another lockdown announced. So it's been really hard on them because panto runs like a month. And a bit usually like it's like start of December to like the first week or maybe the first two weeks of January. It's like mm-hmm. it's like um, four to six weeks of guaranteed income for theatres. And usually it's um, a classic sort of fairy tale like you might have Cinderella, Puss in Boots, um, Dick Whittington. Uh, the one I saw was um, Peter Pan I saw last. So it's all these sort of classic fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think Peter Pan Cans is like a modern classic fairy tale. It's not that old. It's like early 1900s, I think, isn't it? I don't know. I feel like it is. Um, so yeah, it's tales like that. And the cast is usually made up of like semi-famous people in like the uh, sort of major part. So uh, when we saw Peter Pan, uh, one of our, the dancers from the British version Dancing with the Stars, um, uh, Strictly Come Dancing, AJ, um, he played Peter Pan. But there's always a panto dame. So in the Peter Pan we saw, the panto dame was one of the pirates. And the the traditional shtick for a panto dame is it's usually a big burly bloke. Mm -hmm. It's never like a glamorous drag queen. And the the costumes are always ridiculous and over the top. And quite often they have something on their head. 
inside the wig. Like, so when we saw Peter Pan, the dame at one point was wearing a wig with a galleon in her head. In her hair. Okay. So Lawrence Cheney's so, look was bang on for like a widow twanky from Aladdin kind of look. Okay, so like in a nutshell, Panto Dame is like a theatrical version of drag performance where all of the female characters are played by men in like an over the top yeah. camp sort and of way. It's, it's never glamorous drag. It's always yeah. like the ugly sisters um, in Cinderella. It's always played by two drag queens. Gotcha. Uh, two, 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 um, sorry, not two drag queens, two panto dames. And so is it, is the entire cast men? All, oh, no, all... no, no, it's, um, no, it's, um, men and women. Um, men and women. And sometimes in Peter Pan, it'll be a woman playing Peter Pan. Wasn't the right. one I saw. We yeah. quite often get a, a woman playing Peter Pan. Um, but when they, when I, when I saw with AJ, AJ from Strictly Come Dancing, I mean, he's like this sort of twinky boy. He can get away with playing Peter Pan. He looks about 12, despite being like 20-something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but usually Peter Pan is played by a woman, uh, just because, you know, more sort of boyish. Yes. Um, Makes but sense. The, the Panto Dame is always, um, more than most, it's like a big burly bloke. Uh, gotcha. So it's not like stilettos. They're using like clod hopper kind of heels, like chunky, sensible heels. Got it. So okay, I feel like I understand now where these looks were coming from. <laughs> yeah. So Lawrence, Bimini, and Ellie did a lot better than Taste. Taste missed the brief completely. Like the judges said, she'd be more like the fairy godmother in Cinderella. Right. Yeah. And so I know I I realize now. I mean, so I'm saying like, um, is the uh, aesthetic like doll like and I think now that I realize that it's because of the exaggerated features and makeup that I read as being sort of doll like but it was actually exaggerated makeup in this kind of like um, over the top fashion camp over the top version of drag yeah okay and you got, got bear it. in mind as well thing you got bear in mind as well with um, Panto pretty much everyone's wearing quite a lot of makeup because it's in a theatre you you want a lot of like over the top makeup because you're playing to the back seats. You yes. want them to see every expression on your face. And taste just looked pretty. Yeah, like, she looked pretty yeah, and yeah. missed the brief completely. Um Panto Dame's never pretty. Right, got it. Okay, so I understand why Taste was uh she was um critiqued quite heavily for that. Yeah. Um, I can't say I massively agree or disagree with a double shanté. Yeah, it didn't have any strong I feelings about that. I knew that was going to happen. They hadn't done a double shanté the whole season. They were down to the final four. I felt pretty confident that that, that, that was going to happen. Um, but then it gave us a, a final four uh, that made for, like, you know, a great final performance. I did enjoy this, uh, like, song and dance number that they did at the end. Yeah, so uh, they went to the final episode, and can you believe the challenge? <gasps> so shocking. What a surprise. Nobody could have ever <laughs> expected. They had to <gasps> write a verse to a RuPaul song, learn a dance, right. and do a podcast with RuPaul and Michelle Visage. What? Who, and they were like, <gasps> every time like Ru said one of the things, like, it's the last episode. It happens every year. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be some Tic Tacs waiting for you, uh, and, and someone's going to make, make the comment, oh, I couldn't. I'm too full. 
couldn't possibly. Uh, yeah, so um, not unexpected, but I thought they did a good job. Um, I I think they all pretty much, you know, held their own. I don't think that the performances in this last musical number was the make or break decision maker of who was going to win and not, um, which is good because uh, Lawrence Cheney is not uh, as strong a dancer as some of the others. But um, I, musically, I, I really didn't enjoy the song. You did not enjoy the no. song? No. I thought it was good. I thought it was fun. I generally don't think that the um, verses written by the queens, they, they're all shoehorned in. They don't... They, they didn't fit. Re- yeah. They didn't scan for the music. Uh, the one that scanned the best was Lawrence Cheney's. I agree. Yes. Because everyone she else... She can doing... but she wrote the best lyrics for sure. E- everyone else was trying to fit so many words into it. Like, when... Um... Ellie was doing like like I'm like I don't understand a word of what's being said and they were Ellie Tace and um, Bimini all had too many words that didn't fit the beat of a song. I agree, though. I mean, like I I don't find that they were unique in that. I find that's the case in virtually every single season when they do these um, you know personal verses that are shoehorned into a RuPaul song. Generally, yeah. I enjoy it well enough, and I am glad that it's not necessarily the deciding factor on like who wins and who doesn't. But I do think that it makes for a fun finale. And taste, my God, like that last. Uh, performance like the lyrics aside the dancing performance god yeah so good um and then we had all of the queens come back how did you feel about this reunion i loved that i wasn't expecting i knew they were going to be there in like you know the untucked moment yes i was expecting to be like an untucked moment when they were all like they're sort of standing looking all bitchy but we knew they were there yeah uh, because they'd already had them on stage with them for the reunion (laughs) um yeah i did love this too and i was very happy to hear that when they were at you know they when they were all doing their untucked moment and getting caught up that veronica green is going to be back for season three of drag race uk and i'm happy for that because uh i think that she through no um fault of her own having contracted covid that you know she left the competition too early yeah um yeah i'm looking forward to her coming back because she was one of my top picks i agree um so yeah then we uh lost ellie uh which i think was right i don't think you could consider having ellie in in the top three with not not a single win under her belt i agree um but she um she set cheryl hold her way through the competition explain so cheryl hole who went quite far in series one without a single win Oh, yes, yes. Um, God, my memory is bad. But yes, I agree. I mean, like she was there. I know there are other examples in the US version of where this happened as well. But like um, she um, didn't go in the bottom. Uh, not until the very end um she didn't win um she just kind of i don't want to say coasted because i think that that, you know takes away from the efforts that were there it's not like she didn't try uh, but she was just safe she was just you know sort of like skating through yeah i mean uh cheryl hole calls herself a mediocre queen of essex but ellie isn't mediocre she just uh steady i would say she was never terrible just struggled to stand out a bit amongst some stars I agree. Which isn't too bad. I mean, made it to the final, so congratulations on that, Ellie. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so then we had uh, the lip sync. So I'm still standing by Elton John. Classic song. Classic. I mean, it's a shame it wasn't the uh, version recorded in that COVID concert that he did last year. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like a slightly different version. Um, yeah, I thought that this was good. Um, I I know that we... Um, I know that we technically have a, a winner and then two second place queens because it's not clearly, uh, you know, announced which one came in third and which one came in second. But I think that it would be pretty clear uh, that Bimini would be the uh, the second second place, in my opinion. Tace having uh, been in the bottom four times, I think that um, in my books, at least, it's an easy distinction. But regardless, we have our last lip sync and then Lawrence Cheney is crowned and then she's hilarious uh, with her scepter. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, uh, and uh, the uh, they did like a um, obviously we couldn't have people there, but the top four were at a location in Manchester to watch the outcome live because obviously they recorded um, a version of each of the top three winning. Winning, yeah. Um, and apparently Bimini said when Lawrence won, "If I had to lose twenty one, it would be to you," which taste didn't enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so yay! Uh, congratulations, Lawrence Cheney. Yes, I agree. A very good season of uh, season two of Drag Race UK. I'm looking forward to season three. Which I believe they've already wrapped filming on. Have they really? Oh, that's yeah, even better. Because Rue so, and Michelle have been in the UK recently. So I think they started on the 23rd of February. Oh, that's perfect. So yeah. we won't have any uh, COVID related delays then mid filming if they've already nope. wrapped that up. And there's also rumours of an international All-Stars being in the works, which I really hope is the case. Yes. Yes. I want that so much. Be brilliant. And uh, yeah. Make that happen. Get Davina DeCampo her crown. Yeah. Right then. Okay. So next time we'll be discussing uh, Eurovision uh, 1958 and a little bit more Drag Race. Uh, So until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>